0: That's stamps.com. Code program.
1: This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 And I want to start this morning with the news that we've, you've just heard with Barry that five people have been arrested by Gardaí. This is investigating the incident in Mahan in which a shot was fired and they're going to be appearing in court this morning. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran once again joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you Fiona.
2: Good morning, Patricia. We
1: were speaking to you about this time yesterday when you were about to head into court because two females were in court yesterday in relation, in relation to this incident. What happened yesterday?
2: Yes, that's right, Patricia. Um, this all arose from a Garda investigation into a disturbance at Ravensdale close in Mahan on Sunday when a shot was fired. And subsequent to that incident, Gardaí carried out a number of searches at houses and vehicles and recovered some weapons and nine people were arrested, as you said. Now, two of those, uh, two women, uh, appeared at court district court yesterday, a mother and a daughter, Julia and Julianne McDonough. And they were both charged with possession of a knife at Jacob's Island near Mahan on Sunday evening and Garda Rose Jennings told the court that she arrested them, charged them and that they made no reply after being cautioned in connection with the charge. And they, uh, Sergeant Pat Lyons told the court yesterday that there was no objection to the two women being released on bail but um, they needed to have a number of conditions attached to that bail and the conditions are that uh, they both reside at Inchira Close in Mahan, that they obey a nightly curfew from 10 people P.M. until eight A.M., they sign on three times a week at Anglesey Street Garda Station. That they both stay away from intoxicants and that they don't cross the North Channel of the River Lee except for medical and legal appointments. So they've both been released on bail and they'll appear again in court on the fourteenth of June. So,
1: so then, what today there are a, fir- a further five going into court.
2: That's right. So um, there are four men and one woman appearing before Cork District Court this morning. Now they all have been charged but the Gardaí haven't told us what the charges are, what they've been charged with. But they will be appearing at Cork District Court later this morning and two people then, a male juvenile and a woman, were released without charge after they were arrested. So um, that's that's the nine people. This investigation it is ongoing and you know Gardaí are still appealing for information from any witnesses or anybody who has any information but um, as I said, those two women Julia and Julianne McDonough uh, were charged yesterday and a further five people being charged and appearing before court this Uh, morning.
1: And we know that there are are a number of witnesses because there was a lot of video footage, people were filming on their phones Mm. so there is a lot of video uh, footage and just before that you go, there was another video appeared up online yesterday of a stabbing
2: incident on the magazine Road
1: Yesterday afternoon. That's
2: right. Yeah Patricia, this video um, began circulating yesterday evening. Now Gardaí did confirm that the incident happened at a quarter past four. It was on the magazine, it was on that junction between Magazine Road and Dorgans Road. A busy intersection it was broad daylight, quarter past four these two men were seen in the video having a fight and one man received a stab injury to his leg. Now he was brought to Cork University Hospital with a very serious but not life threatening injury. Uh, The other man, um, well Gardy confirmed that that man he was in his 20s and he was brought to CUH and then Gardy carried out a search of a house at the Glasheen Road and um, a man aged in his 30s was arrested and a knife was recovered from there and that knife has been sent for analysis to see if it was the knife that was used in the stabbing and that man that was arrested um, is uh, still at the Bridewell Garda station being questioned this morning okay. and investigations are ongoing in to that incident as well sure. and again you know, there was a video circulating. The two men in this video can clearly be seen. Um, but if anybody has any information, if there was any witnesses to that, I suppose rather than circulating the video on social media, if they would contact RD with any information that they have that might help with this investigation. Yeah, those
1: videos are absolutely shocking to watch. They, they really are difficult. Okay. I know. And I think
2: it's just because of the prevalence of mobile phones now when people, their automatic reaction when they see something is to video it and then it gets widely circulated um but it is it's kind of shocking when you see it yeah isn't it? and it's, when i was
1: yeah well when i was watching it yesterday you know it struck me that a number of years ago if two men were going to have a fight like that somebody might have walked away with a bloodied nose or, or a black eye hmm. this this new phenomenon now that you people carrying knives with them i mean a knife can kill yeah it's just it's frightening i know Okay, it's really,
2: this, really scary. Yeah.
1: We'll, let, we'll let you go, uh, Fiona. I appreciate that. Thank you for that and thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Uh, good morning. That is our senior news reporter, Fiona uh, Corcoran, 1850 333103. And looking at the papers this morning of photographs of happier scenes than talking about somebody being stabbed in broad daylight in Cork City uh, yesterday. There's just every single newspaper is covering the reopening of the slow reopening of the country yesterday. The best photograph for me though is the one that makes the front page of the Irish Times and it's a little bit of a family reunion under the heading healthy dose of hugging long wait finally open and it's Camilla Camilla O'Brien said she felt like a cloud had been lifted as she and her husband Brendan both now fully vaccinated were able to hug their grandchildren and their two little girls Chloe and Jessica and they're giving them a hug for the first time in over a year and I don't know which is Chloe and which is Jessica but one is hugging granddad and it's like she's hanging on for dear life as if to say where have you been granddad? where have you been it's just gorgeous it's just and there'll be so many more and I don't know how many of them happened yesterday how many grandparents managed to get to see their grandchildren but I think across the week and I think at the weekend when you know children are not in school and people have more time on their hands I think there'll be a lot more visits between grandparents and grandchildren and they've been missed they really really have been missed and actually I mentioned yesterday when we were asking people what were you most looking forward to now that there was easing of restrictions and we were trying to find out out. Was it a visit to the shops? Was it what was it a hairdresser? What were people most? Um, missing? was it getting the nails done, getting the eyebrows done? Uh, somebody else uh, said. And then somebody asked me, "What was I most looking forward to?" And I mentioned that this coming Saturday happens, just happens to be uh, Marcia's birthday. And, and we put a call through to see could uh, could the grandmother come down? And she cause she's fully vaccinated and she's in Tipperary, more than delighted to get into the car and to join us for a little bit of afternoon tea and a cutting of the cake. And we're really looking forward to that because she's fully vaccinated and she'll be able to give Marcia a great big hug which will be uh, which will be really fantastic but then and I just happened to mention that as a by the by yesterday and lo and behold this morning can I just say thank you to Margaret Fiskibbon in Anglesborough in County Limerick who sent on a, a lovely little birthday card and a gift for Marcia, which is just beyond kind but just to acknowledge Margaret that has arrived safe and sound and thank you that's a really really kind kind uh, gesture anyway back to the photographs that are making the papers today there's pictures of people outside of church people got into mass yesterday for the first time and I know that was a huge highlight for a lot of people and a lot of people making the same point while they watched mass online and they were thankful that they were able to see mass online, but there was nothing like for very religious people physically going into the church and being part of a community and celebrating the Eucharist with other people and receiving Holy Communion. That was a big thing for so many people. So lovely photographs of people both inside in church and outside of Mass. And then there's photographs of people at hairdressers, in barber shops and uh, needless to say, lots of people inside in different shops because it is click and collect for another week. And it is expected that we are As consumers, we will spend as much as, if not more, than €3 billion in shops across this month. And it's a combination of pent-up demand and lockdown savings. And we're told that a nationwide spending spree is underway and it actually officially got underway yesterday. Retailers all over the country were reeling in the first day of the post-lockdown trading yesterday. Huge numbers turned up for click and collect. And of course, appointment, shopping by appointment, has become quite trendy and became the in thing uh, yesterday. And it's for people indulging in the first splurge in five months. And I know people have been shopping online, but it's just not the same. Retail Ireland, who are the IBEC group that represents the retail sector, they say it now expects consumers to spend 40% more on debit and credit cards this month, the month of May, than they would normally do in Say any other uh, month of May and millions of euros will be spent over the coming days and weeks as people get back onto the high street, get back into shopping centres and doing it for the first time since December and as always we promote shopping locally. Don't forget to shop locally and look after those small shops that have been closed same as the big department stores have been closed but those small shops, those little shops that you're going to need next month and you're going to need in six months time. Be sure if you have any extra cash to spend that just spread it out and that you spend as much of it locally as you can and talking about the bigger retailers uh, pennies, I don't think pennies have ever been so popular, pennies put up last week a system where you could book just for across this, the seven days until they're officially allowed to open their doors, Monday the 17th, next uh, Monday. And they've booked them. It seems to be you've got one hour, you've 45 minutes to shop and then 15 minutes to get to the tills, get bagged up and get out and then they leave in the next group. And from what I can gather, it seems to be 100 people at a time, every hour being allowed in. It seems 250,000 people have booked a shopping appointment in pennies for this week. They have 36 stores uh, nationwide and every single one of those appointment slots obviously are gone. Couldn't believe it the weekend when some people who had managed to get an appointment slot for pennies put it up on eBay and they were selling them for €100 which I thought was absolutely shameful and I really hope pennies managed to clamp down on it and stop whoever was trying to do that to stop them uh, doing it but a quarter of a million people have booked a time slot for pennies. Uh, I don't know if you managed to get in there or not yesterday but all of the TV channels that I saw yesterday certainly were speaking to people outside of uh, pennies and as is always the case people just nip in to get one or two things and every. Everybody came out with bag loads of items. So I think pennies are in for a bit of a boost over the next week. And then as, when they're allowed to open next Monday, it'll just possibly take the pressure off the opening next Monday because we saw what happened in Belfast and in Derry a couple of weeks ago when they reopened. The queues for pennies in particular were huge. They were off the Richter scale and they had to, have to the PSNR had to get involved because of social distancing and all of that and trying to keep people apart. So I think this booking your time and going in hopefully will take pressure off next week when the, when the store actually uh, opens up for the wider public and I want to look at a text that came in this morning that I was thrilled this made me smile this morning from Sheila Sheila contacted us last week and as she said in the text um, Hi Trish I'm the woman with the gammy leg you remember she, Sheila emailed us last week because she had been given her vaccine appointment for today Funny enough to go to Mallow and it was going to be, she was from Moy, if my memory serves me right, and it was going to be a trip from Fromoi to either Fromoi or Mitchell And it was going to be a twenty-minute, half an hour journey for Sheila in the car. And as she said, I'm using her own words: "A gammy leg." She's got plates and pins in her legs, in her leg, and she doesn't drive very far. She said no more than four miles would she drive? And then her leg gets very sore and she said she didn't want to ask anybody else to drive her and she didn't want to get a taxi and she was trying to, you know, she was giving out saying why are there not local vaccination centres uh, near her? And I mean, I think a lot of people had sympathy for her but as I made the point, we'd all love the idea that there would be vaccination centres on every corner but obviously the HSC feel to try and get as many people vaccinated As quickly as possible, they came up with this plan that they have these vaccination centres all over the country and they try to get as many people into the vaccination centres, put the staff in and and vaccinate as many people as they can under one roof. And then it's because it's to do with the transporting of the vaccines and getting the vaccines there and all of the necessary paperwork that goes with it and the questions that have to be asked. So they think and, you know, you have to look at we're up, I think, at the end of this week the two millionth vaccine will have been given. So I think we can't fault them while everybody wants their vaccination today rather than tomorrow but they are certainly the HSC. it is working and they are getting through people so anyway Sheila was in this dilemma she wanted to get her vaccine she was going to have to get into the car and she was going to drive but she was worried about her leg and how sore her leg, her leg gets so she emails this morning to say Patricia just to let you know that I, I was the person with the cami leg who emailed you about my doubts about driving to Malo for my jab well I took your advice and I stopped in Glamworth and I stopped in Castletown Roach to rest my leg along the way I'm here now just about to go in for my job, and this message came in at half nine uh, this morning. I think the fear of driving was more than the actual journey. It's surprising how vulnerable we've all become. Thanking you for your wise advice, from Sheila, because that's what I'd said. Could she possibly stop, get out and stretch her leg, and then you'll know, give herself plenty of time? So she did that. So listen, Sheila, I'm absolutely delighted. I'm hoping now an hour later that you're done and dusted and you're back out in the car on the journey back home and again on the journey back home. Take your breaks, stretch the leg out so that it's not hurting you and get back home. But well done to you. And listen, don't in any way feel, you know, I, I have a huge understanding when you say I think the fear of driving was more than the actual journey. I mean, I mentioned this on air a couple of weeks ago. I had to go to a medical appointment. I had to go for a scan up to the city. And it was as I was driving and it was early in the morning. I did an early appointment. And as I was driving, I realised, God, I haven't driven a long distance. I drive, you know, over and back to work. I drive to town to do the shopping on the weekend and that's it I don't drive anywhere else and suddenly I was on the main Mallow to Cork Road with a lot of other cars heading to work you know heading to and to work in various other places and it was busy and I realised I was a little bit nervous about it all. I was being really careful I was making sure I was well under the speed limit and it was on that slow down day as well so I was making sure I wasn't going to not that I often speed uh, that I wasn't going to get caught speeding but I, I did. I, you know when I went to overtake cars I was being really careful to. will I, will I make it, will I be able to do it, no I hold back and definitely there was a level of nerve, nervousness so yes I think you're right when you say it's surprising how vulnerable we have all become and there is a certain vulnerability with the opening up of society now we are constantly hearing from people and um, particularly people who are fully vaccinated still nervous about going out and about and I know it's one of the things we're going to be talking with Joe Heffernan a little bit later on in the programme as we exit lo- lockdown to be aware of anxiety and how to deal with that anxiety and as I keep saying to people who are nervous about getting back out that there's a big beautiful world we've missed out on so much for the last 12 months we have to make up for what we've missed out as well we've got to do it slowly we've got to do it sensibly we've got to be careful about it but please you know for people who are fully vaccinated get back out and meet your friends because you now have the vaccine bonus that you're able to to do that but there is certainly a vulnerability and a nervousness about it but I was absolutely thrilled when I saw that text come in from uh, Sheila who is now on her journey to being fully vaccinated go you Sheila you can be very proud of yourself Uh, some emails into the programme Sinead said hello I am appalled to see the ditches and dikes been sprayed today with poison I thought that this was banned we have gone environmental on every issue these days and yet this is still happening besides the facts it's unsightly to see yellow burnt looking beautiful countryside what about the animal and plant life and the microorganisms and I know if I had Peter Dowdell our resident gardener on the programme reacting to an email like that he would be absolutely fuming he hates to hear of any kind of spraying of any kind of poison in gardens are on the sides of dikes and ditches. I don't know if there's, what's the answer to it and why it's been done. I'm assuming it's been done to try to maintain the ditches and the dikes to keep it safe. Is it from a road safety point of view? Is that the reason that it's been done? And as Sinead emails, so I don't know what area Sinead is talking about, or where these ditches and dikes are, who had been actually spraying them? Is it a local landowner? Is it the council? I'm not too sure, but, sh- sure, but Sinead, fuming to see that. Has people witnessed that? Another other areas, ditches and dikes being sprayed with some kind of a weed killer. And then it leads what Sinead said is that very unsightly yellow burnt look right around our countryside. 1850 333 And thanks to Sinead for emailing Cork today at c103.ie. And then Eileen was on to us to say that she is a regular customer of Little in Vallam. And she parks in the disabled bay with her husband. They obviously have one of the blue stickers. So she went along on Sunday to do her shopping. But when they got there, they discovered that a massive canopy has been placed over the disabled parking spaces. And I'm assuming then that blocks off the parking space for people with disabled uh, stickers. So it meant that Eileen had to park elsewhere. She then found it very difficult with her husband to get him in and out of the store. Now, she did and rightly so, went along to one of the managers in Little to say, sorry, what's going on with the disabled parking bay? Why have you put a canopy over there? And the manager who she was speaking to said they shouldn't have put it there. But she said, she's contacted us to see, did others notice it? And what is the point as there's never massive queues at that uh, store? Now, we've contacted Little to find out why the disabled parking spaces have been taken over with this canopy. And, you know, and I can understand the canopy is has been put up for when there is queuing on the days that there is queuing and wet weather and all of that. A lot of supermarkets are do are doing that. And God knows we're co- going into the summer months, you think I should the supermarkets wouldn't have to worry about that, about people queuing outside. But the weather, I mean, when you looked at yesterday's weather and today's a similar forecast and we seem to have a similar forecast for the rest of this week, you wouldn't fancy standing outside any shop waiting to get in in howling wind, rain and even hail that we experienced yesterday. So we're getting on to Little to find out what is going on and are they're going to put alternative disabled parking spaces uh, in but it does seem strange that they've used it to put the canopy for people to queue and taken away the spaces instead. So we will keep you updated. Anybody else shopping in Little and Ballyville Anne, have you been discombobulated like our Eileen has? 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862
3: 103
1: 103.
4: Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from Motor, Home, Business, Farm, Life and Health Insurance cmig.ie. Record
0: today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your
1: comment. 086 2103 103. Now thousands of newborn babies missed out on core developmental health checks last year due to the fact that public health nurses were redeployed to COVID-19 duties highlighting the issue. Cork East alderman deputy Sean Sherlock who now joins me. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. You've got a breakdown on the numbers of babies who missed out on these uh, checkups. Uh, it's quite stark, isn't it, the numbers involved?
5: The numbers are stark. And the uh, reason that we raised the issue in the first place was because there were uh, mothers coming to us who were concerned about the fact that they, their children were not getting the developmental checks. And so we asked the question about, you know, the breakdowns for full years for 2019 and 2020. So we, we saw that, for instance, you know, between 2019 and 2020, there was a a, a major reduction from 44,000 down to 33,000 in the number of babies that were seen by a public health nurse uh, within the first 48 hours, which, which is a kind of a critical time frame, really, you know, especially for first-time mothers where... Uh, You know, there's a level of anxiety there, particularly if you're not surrounded by, uh, you know, a a family network where you're coming home and it's yourself and maybe your partner and you're literally there on your own and you're you're waiting for the public health nurse to call and and, and it doesn't happen. And I I think we're very fortunate in the Cork region in that we have an excellent public health system and an excellent public health nursing system so the figures I'd be quoting from would be you know national figures and a lot of the resources were deployed uh, a lot of public health nurses were obviously redeployed into vaccination and other areas of of public health during that period of time so you know we've seen a dramatic reduction say in relation to children up to the age of 10 months as well, where between 2019 and 2020, you know, you, you went from 53,000 approximately being seen right down to, you know, 28,000 for 2020. I mean, you consider that about 60,000 children approximately of babies are born in the state in a given year. uh I would look at this purely from a, a women 's health point of view from and from a a public health and children 's health point of view because if we 're talking about a proper longitudinal uh you know intervention with children who need children, it starts at you know day one effectively so i 'm encouraged to hear the h s e coming back to me saying, "Look, they are working on trying to get people back into the you know the the public health system again from." uh you know from from where they've been redeployed, and mainly that's vaccination centers from what I can understand, but it is important that there is a resumption of the system because the public health nurse is the is the what I would call the the foundation for uh you know community health. And thats yeah absolutely up. and
1: you you would worry if children didn't particularly that three-month assessment because that's when if there is something that needs attention can get picked up
5: indeed and I, I can only speak to, to, to my own our own personal experience within our family and you know we had you know we and continue to have excellent support uh excellent support to the public health nursing system. I mean, they're just phenomenal people and uh, excellent at tracking, uh, you know, t- the developmental checks in a way that maybe parents would not have the skill set to do so, such that you have great confidence in them that they can pick up on things from a developmental point of view. And and I think every parent uh, relies on it. No matter how many maybe children you've, you've had, uh, and no matter your experience, but the, the it is that essential uh, piece of the jigsaw of community health, where that the public health nurse when they come to your home or when you attend a clinic, just gives you that confidence to drive on as a parent. Well I think we it,
1: gives, it gives parents that peace of mind if, if that, when they're told your child is ticking all the boxes from a developmental point of view and everything's going well and I mean you touched on the first time mums are the ones that I would really worry about and, and I've mentioned them a few times on the programme uh, throughout last year. The, some of them felt and continue to feel very isolated. and it, it, it It's
5: isolating for First-time mothers, and, and subsequent uh, times mothers, if you will, second and third children. Uh, if, for instance, you don't have that family network around you, and what, what I'm experiencing in Cork, in the county of Cork in particular, in particular now, is in, in towns like you say, for my uh, uh, Mallow in particular, you, you might have family networks that are either maybe city-based or. Maybe Limerick-based or Tipperary-based, and then you know those North Cork towns are kind of happy medium towns, if you will, for people to where people settled. And and of course during the lockdown, then you know there was no access whatsoever by by family members to first-time mothers in particular or first-time parents. Let's let's not be gendered in what I'm saying here. Uh, you know, with those uh, you know obvious supports that morale, you know, uh, taking a little bit of the load off. You know, in a given day, uh, given the intensity of the experience of 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 of, of being a parent and, and a mother in particular, because it, it, let's face it, it's it, it's it's down to the mother. You know, in terms of those early interventions. So yes, there is that isolation that's there, and the public health nurse then you see acts as the the bulwark or acts as the foundation. And I, I think you know we we all have the experience of of the public health nursing system, whether you're a baby or whether you are in your older years, you know, in terms of whether it's simple things like visits for dressings and, and things like that, the usual public health uh, issues that arise within the community. What we want is to see them coming back into the system. And I, I do understand, that, as I said, that the HSC is working on a strategy for that. But developmental checks are key to all of this. And 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 what I'd like to see is 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 nursing staff being redeployed back into the community as soon as is possible. Like we understand, I think everybody would understand that people were redeployed for the vaccination effort. I think that's entirely. Do reasonable. we do we
1: assume because we're still very much in the throes of the rollout of the vaccination? Do we assume that that's what the, that's where they all are?
5: Well, you see, that's an interesting point because we, we don't have figures on how many uh, public health nurses have been deployed into vaccination. We can only go on the fact that based on the response that I received, that that some are, but we don't have the exact numbers. And I'm talking nationally here. So it, it may be that some are redeployed into other areas. But I think if the HSE is telling me that they are looking, that they have now set up a steering group on this, then what I'll be examining is the continuing work of that steering group as one TD to ensure that there is an importance given to developmental checks for children. I have a particular interest in in what I call longitudinal studies in respect of, of children because if we can make the earliest possible interventions for children, obviously you stave off a whole set of problems down the line. And, you know, I spoke to you previously about The numbers of children, for instance, who are waiting for assessments of needs, uh, you know, who are waiting for, you know, follow on supports arising from assessments of needs. If, If a lot of that work could be done at an earlier stage of intervention.
1: Outcomes are better.
5: Outcomes
1: are better. Yeah, Patricia. yeah, absolutely, Abs- exactly. a- absolutely. Okay, so but and then while well, we've been t- while well, the figures we were talking about with the figures across last year, across 2020, of course, babies are continuing to be born every single day, and babies have been born since the start of this year, 2021. So there's another cohort of of children who are missing out on developmental checks.
5: That, that's it. You see, so you've two years, like you've a significant drop in 2020, and and now we're seeing evidence of a, c- a continuing drop. In the numbers, but obviously numbers we have are only up to March 2021. Uh, you know, for for the number of visits, but you can see, uh, for instance, if I was tracking the numbers across from 2019 to 2020 to 2021, you could extrapolate that. For instance, for the first visit, uh, the numbers have just literally, I would say, you know, I, I, I won't say dropped off the radar, but you're going from 44,000 in 2019 to 33,000 in 2020 to 6,000 so far. In, in, you know, for the first quarter, we'll say, uh, of, of 2021. That suggests to me that the numbers are, are kind of going downwards on the curve, and that is a worrying trend. And and I think that public health nurses themselves, though I don't profess to speak for them, but they have an excellence built up in terms of their their core competencies, in terms of their professional development. And while it is important that we get everybody vaccinated it is also equally important that children babies infants do not miss out on their developmental checks and i would i would imagine though i don't profess to speak for them that i imagine that that is where m- many public health nurses would like to see themselves Back to absolutely, uh, a system absolutely that they work in
1: 100 one, percent. I imagine that's that's the way it is. Okay, listen, we leave it there, Sean. Thank you for that, and thank thanks you. for joining us. Uh, good morning, Chair. That is uh, Corky's uh, Labour Doll Deputy, uh, Sean Sherlock, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And thank you to Aidan and Eileen who have contacted us to say we got our vaccine in Clonakilty yesterday at the vaccination centre what brilliant people they are I cannot speak highly enough about them it was a wonderful experience well done to one and all and that's from Aidan and Eileen O'Rourke thank you for that 1850
6: 333 103
1: Court today on
4: C103 with Sean Cusack Insurances as Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie
1: volunteers have been asked to step forward to take part in a study where they will be required to to drink a special super broccoli soup once a week for six months to see if the vegetable can reduce the risk of diabetes. The research has been carried out by Atlantia Food Clinical Trials who are based in Cork and joining me the project manager and that is Rebecca Kerwin. Good morning to you Rebecca. Hello how are you? Um, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now who are the ideal candidates to volunteer for this study?
7: So the ideal candidate is maybe someone who's been told previously or family members that they've high glucose, a family history of pre-diabetes, maybe over the last year put up some weight, even blood pressure can be a little bit high. So any of those things, and the thing about it is, is glucose is asymptomatic. So unless you go to the doctor and get a, a glucose reading, it's hard to tell. So feel free to give a call and we do have the website, Lancia Clinical Trials, to so sign up as well. and We can go through it with you.
1: And who's most at risk of diabetes?
7: Diabetes, so people who are slightly um, up in BMI, higher blood pressure, then we are predisposed to some people as well. So again, going back to the family, there's type 1 and type 2. So what we would be predominantly looking for is type 2 diabetes. So it, uh, just as previously mentioned, and then sometimes this makes no sense at all, <laughs> for Trisha, and yeah. uh, uh, so that's when the blood test comes in.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people will admit that during lockdown, we all kind of S- more than we should have been eating, and that people did put on weight. I mean, everyone talks about the COVID stone, and it is it is exactly. possible, particularly as you say, if it's if it's in the um, family. So the a super broccoli soup. What did, have you tasted it? What does it taste
7: like? You know what? It doesn't taste of anything. Like it's very surprising. <laughs> so it does have the green look to it. So you think you're going to have a lovely broccoli soup, but it actually doesn't taste of anything in particular. So the broccoli is high glucose broccoli. So it's uh, not a genetically modified one or anything like that. It's just that there's high concentration of it. So a pretty bland soup, if I'm honest, Patricia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it, so is is it a special variety
7: of broccoli that's been grown for it? It is indeed. So what? It's not genetically modified or anything. It's just a specific broccoli. Now it's not on the shelves or anything. And even if you were to have get the broccoli, you'd have to have a fine place for it <laughs> too to have the benefits of it. So this uh, soup is a concentrated version of this broccoli.
1: Okay, so you add the volunteers, if they're selected, they're asked to drink just one bowl of it once a week.
7: One bowl a week, 350 mils, and you just do that for 12 weeks uh, for us. And then you'll come off it for 12 weeks, which we call a washout period, and then you'll go on it again. So what we do is we have uh, the placebo. So neither I or the participant will know. And then we have the active product. So we have to prove that we're not just lowering the glucose, that uh, compared to taking the placebo it does in fact lower the glucose so you will get on this at some stage
1: so then there's obviously checkups is there throughout that six months period
7: exactly so what you do is there's uh, a few visits they're only ever 30 minutes long because we just bring you on site we dispense the product and we take a quick blood sample and you're on your way so the hard work is done at home <laughs> for okay <this>. okay <laughs> and Kamir, how was it
1: discovered the broccoli is good at reducing glucose levels
7: really interesting actually so the smarter food companies, they're the people who have this product and we're the guys who's researching it for them. But basically, they had an early stage prostate cancer study. And while it wasn't the primary objective, it wasn't one of the main things they were looking at, they realised that because we do have to have all of these safety parameters make sure that these even foods are safe, they realised that the glucose is actually decreasing over time. So this study is a follow-up study to see, because it would be a brilliant thing if uh, you could just take a soup and reduce glucose. So that's the aim of this study.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And everybody knows how good broccoli is uh, uh, for you. And outside of helping with the research, are there benefits to taking part in in a study like this?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So what we say is it's a free health check. So what you do is you come on site, we do BMI, blood pressure, we do bloods, And then if you're on the study, we do have to do safety, so cholesterol um, and triglycerides, all that. And we do have a study doctor on site who has to review all bloods. And then we just let people know if there's something that's maybe your cholesterol is high, that kind of thing. So it is a checkup as well. We are um, monitoring all of your health.
1: And have you many other trials coming up in the coming months?
7: Yes, actually. I'm in the Maradoc right now. We're doing a sports study. So it's uh, there's a lot. So if the broccoli doesn't, uh, uh, <laughs> suit doesn't sound you. good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have cognitive studies. We have sports studies. We have um, probiotic studies as well to do with weight maintenance and that kind of thing so Atlantia clinical trials another plug there but (laughs) it's really it's really interesting stuff.
1: And are the people of Cork good to volunteer for these trials?
7: Brilliant yeah we really have just it's been brilliant even this broccoli um, the release that we've done we've gotten so many signs up and so many emails over the last week it's been absolutely excellent.
1: Great great so how do people contact you uh, if they're interested in taking part?
7: So we have a lengthy clinical trials, and that page will bring you to the broccoli specific one, or just all of our studies. And from there, then you can have our direct contact number to us, uh, our phone number.
1: And I, and I know the the downside is people having to go in. Even as you said, the the visits are quick, and you do they're done in the morning, isn't it? You've got to be available in mornings to come.
7: So we're very flexible. Oh, are you okay? Yes, we do open at seven am to allow people who are still uh, working. Okay come in, do their quick blood sample, be on their way and still make time for work. So some people automatically assume that, oh, I won't have that. I work Monday to Friday, but Yeah. flexible.
1: Oh, very good. Very good. I didn't realise that. And, you pay, pe- and, and you, you pay people to cover their costs, I suppose, for the travelling, is it?
7: That's it, exactly. So for this broccoli study, it's €700, Euro, and then it varies from study to study, okay, but you are well compensated.
1: Well done, well done. So your website address?
7: Atlantiaclinicaltrials.com
1: com. Okay, good luck with it. It's a really interesting one. I'll be dying to see how this one uh, works out. It'll be fantastic if you can prove that this special variety of broccoli does actually lower uh, glucose because uh, it'll, be, it'll be great news for a lot of people. Listen, thank you for that, Rebecca, and thank you for joining us.
7: Thanks for having me on. Good morning
1: Bye, to then. you. Bye-bye. That is Rebecca Kerwin, Project Manager at uh, Atlantica Clinical Trials. At the top of the programme I mentioned an email in from Sinead who was really saddened and appalled to see dikes and ditches being sprayed with some kind of a weed killer, some kind of poison, was what Sinead uh, said. And she said, she's thinking of the environmental impact of the area, but she also said it's unsightly to have a yellow burnt uh, look along our beautiful countryside and uh, she was wondering what's going on and why isn't it illegal. Joe and Mamwe raises an interesting point and wonders could it have been Japanese knotweed? They have to spray J- Japanese knotweed as it is such a nasty weed. It is indeed. But I think it's the wrong time of the year, Joe, to be eradicating Japanese knotweed. Normally what you see, if you get Japanese knotweed into an area, there'll be signs up saying do not cut. Because we know if you cut down Japanese knotweed, it just spreads like bilio. So then normally the council will put up a sign saying, you know, do not cut due to Japanese knotweed. And if my memory serves me right on some of the areas that have managed to eradicate it, it's September is when you start to kill off Japanese knotweed and the best way is actually you don't spray it with poison you inject it with poison I know there was one local area I think it was down in East Cork who took on a big campaign to give it a Japanese knotweed themselves but yes it is a, it is a complete skirt so I don't know uh, whether, whether you would spray Japanese knotweed at this time of the year or not but it could be, that could be the reason that uh, Sinead was spotting an area being sprayed with uh, with some kind of a weed killer. Thank you for that to OAID. Six two one zero three one zero three and Barbara from Moy says Patricia, what happened to the couple who went ahead with the wedding reception? Members of the travelling community last week, and they erected a large marquee in Langford. Were they not due in court yesterday? They were due in court yesterday. there's pictures of them all over the papers uh, today. The smiling bride and groom, and the groom. The catering firm and the parents of the bridal party were all all issued a full and frank apology for their part in the staging of what is now accepted an illegal wedding reception in County Longford. And it is William Stokes is the groom. He was in court. His dad was in court. His bride was in court as well. Shelby Stokes, her parents were in court the owner of what looks like, I saw photographs, the, the case where it looks like a local chip shop. I'm not too sure if it is, but certainly the photographs I was looking at yesterday, that's that's what it lo- it's looked like. And a group of them, the parents, the groom and the caterer were all ordered to hand over €3,000 each in compensation. It was a special sitting of the circuit court in Longford yesterday and it was before Judge Johnson and he said the actions displayed by those involved in the hosting of last week's wedding celebrations were premeditated he said and they ran the risk of turning Longford into a COVID black spot. The judge said the repercussions of holding such an event had done little to further the plight of the wider travelling community he said and I quote It could be said that their actions only further increase the isolation of travellers from the rest of society and it's something which is wholly undesirable. So he went on to fine a group of them. Now the bride wasn't fined and two other members of the bridal party weren't fined and the reason for that was that the council near the Gardaí were able to call any witness to confirm that the order had been served on the bride. Our two other members of the bridal uh, party and also because a name that was been spoken about last week was Alan Horoho who was the provider of the Marquis. He wasn't Find either because it turns out in court yesterday he only became aware of the court order on the 6th of May and at that stage the tent had already been removed so he wasn't fined in court but the rest of them have been and they must pay €3,000 each in compensation. It's going to charity, it's going to be divided between St Christopher's Services, it's obviously some local charity in Longford, Vincent de Paul and also money's going to go to County Longford Hospice. So that's what that's what happened. But yes, Barbara, you're right, they were in court. Wrap on the back of the knuckles and all fined €3,000 each. But there's another story that I came across out of County Longford. I was hearing about it yesterday. It hasn't made, I thought it would make more of the papers uh, today. Uh, I saw it I think in the Daily Mail. I don't know how many other of the papers it made. But this is a kind of a bizarre story and it's to do with vaccinations and it's to do with too many vaccinations being sent to one GP uh, practice and God knows we're all waiting well the majority of us are waiting on a vaccination and we can't wait to get a vaccination into our arm and there was a GP in County Longford have revealed that nearly 400 vaccines were administered to people now it was out of sequence these are not people that are in the at-risk groups they're not in any of the age categories that have been vaccinated at the moment but they got a jab in the arm last Saturday why? because of an oversupply of the Pfizer jab being delivered to one Longford town surgery. Now, it got so bad because word went around first come, first serve basis. Do you want a vaccine? Dr Ali has the vaccine. And people turned up in huge numbers and it got so bad. I think at about half eight on Saturday night, Gardaí were called to the GP surgery to disperse the large crowds that had gathered because people started to hear there's surplus vaccines available and if you turn up, you will get a vaccine. And Dr. Paul Chewick, who is a GP at at another medical practice, said that what happened was on Thursday morning, an oversupply of the Pfizer vaccine, which would have provided around 1,400 and 1,500 doses because, of course, each vial is meant to do five, but a lot of them actually do six. So they always know when they get a supply of vaccines that they possibly will get more actual jabs out of it. Anyway, that's what was delivered to the surgery of a Dr Ali. Now, seemingly Dr Ali's surgery had ordered between 50 and 60 and when they opened up the box they discovered there was well, there's more than 50 or 60 in that there's between 1,400 and 1,500 uh, it was a massive oversupply uh, which couldn't go anywhere and it simply had to be put into people's arms that was the quote from one of the local doctors they had, to, they had to be vaccinated as the only other option would be put the vaccinations into the bin and that wasn't really going to be an option because it is the Pfizer one that has to be defrosted and then of course there's a period of time in which the vaccine vaccines have to be uh, used. So, uh, Dr. Truick said that initially that's what they started doing. They started getting the word out to say, look, surplus vaccines, first come, first served basis, queue up. And if they're on time and we have enough vaccines, we'll give you a jab. But then as the day went on, they tried to do as best they could to concentrate on giving it to people in cohort 4 and cohort 7 they're the at risk groups that have been vaccinated at the moment then they put calls out to local Garda stations to say any member in Garda Shikana, would like to come forward for a job we have some uh, spare uh, they also then got on to other businesses to say have you any staff members that you think are deserving of a vaccine And and they tried to get people in that way and tried to get more at risk people as best they could but they said inevitably word went out and seemingly went out on social media and people just arrived and that people got as they arrived, people got vaccinated because they didn't want to waste any of the vaccines. So it turns out in total, about 400 vaccines were administered to people out of sequence. Now, what I'd love to know is, did they get to administer? I mean, from what I heard yesterday from the doctor in question and from what I'm reading in the papers today, what happened to the other thousand vaccines? I'm assuming, you know, how many vaccines actually went to waste? A HSE spokesperson was unable able to clarify how the mistake was made and I did hear that the HSE is liaising with the GP practice to try to work out what went wrong and I suppose you will get errors like that but it was, it was incredible for somebody ordering between 50 and 60 vaccines to then get 1,400 to 1,500 doses. I do think everybody involved in that GP practice was right though rather than waste them and put them in into the BIM, they did the best that they could to administer them to them as many as as possible because I know if any of us heard that a local GP had extra vaccines, I think a lot of us would be be rolling down there as quickly as possible to try to get the vaccines and yesterday we touched on vaccines for the under 50s and what was going to be happening with the under 50s because at the moment it's the 50 to 59 cohort who are uh, registering and this was on whether there would be a decision about Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca vac- vaccines. Could any of them be used for the under 50s in particularly the Johnson & Johnson one? Well according to Tony Hulhan, our Chief Medical Officer, he is waiting on a decision from NIAC. Dr Tony Hulhan said he expects to receive an updated recommendation from NIAC and the issue and he said he's expecting that in the coming days. Now as we mentioned yesterday the Taoiseach Mihol Martin has voiced his support for lowering the age limit on the J&J vaccine And this is to ensure that none of our vaccines go to waste. The HSE are now asking for some flexibility with NIAC to allow for the use of Johnson & Johnson, which is the single-dose vaccine, to be used in the under 50-year-olds. Now, NIAC, we know, have recommended to date that the Johnson & Johnson and the AstraZeneca jabs that they're not to be given to people under the age of 50 and that's because there is a very, very low risk of these rare blood uh, clots. So, Dr Tony Houlihan decided he would write to NIAC to say, look... Could you possibly recommend that maybe we go just below the age of 50, maybe look at the 45 to uh, 50 year olds? He said that the health service is working to get people over the age of 50 and all of the higher risk groups vaccinated this month. But what is going to happen is that there's going to be a supply of Johnson & Johnson vaccines which will come in in next month in June and if everybody is done they're going to be left with a huge number of Johnson & Johnson that they can't actually use. Now Dr Tony Houlihan said he's hoping that everybody over the age of uh, 50 and all those in the high risk vaccinated groups he's saying that he's hoping all of those will be vaccinated this month. He said we would hope certainly around the end of the month of May that we would have substantially gotten through those uh, groups. Then he said the question about what happens next particularly in June in terms of which vaccines uh, and he said that 's why we 're going to NIAC. we need some advice, and he was asked if Johnson Johnson vaccine uh, was to remain confined to those over fifty, whether then there would be a delay on those in the 40s, and he said that uh, Nefert is not concluding that they can 't use Johnson and Johnson at the moment, but the advice it receives might increase the flexibility if they were allowed to uh, use it, and the two millionth dose. Of the COVID-19 vaccine is expected to be administered and put into somebody's arm this uh, week. As of last Saturday, 1.8 million doses of coronavirus have been given in this country. It works out at 1.3 million have got their first dose and just under half a million have got their second uh, dose. And for today, by the way, if you're in the 50 cohort, registration is open today for the 53-year-olds. and then will go 52, 51 and 50 on uh, Thursday. So registration is, is there for if you are 53 to hse.ie uh, you could do 1850 24 uh, 1850. but they're reckoning that while all the 50s are registering and have been registering over the last number of days by the end of the month they're expecting everybody in their 50s will be vaccinated as and they're hoping by the end of this week that everybody in their 60s will be vaccinated and certainly this is going to be one of the weeks where the largest number of people are going to be vaccinated I think something like 220,000 people they reckon will be vaccinated this week and I know certainly yesterday we were hearing from a lot of people to say that they are due people in their 60s who have been waiting on appointments waiting to get that text to say they've got their vaccination slot and time and we've heard a lot of them are getting it this week so best of luck to everybody heading off to get their vaccinations 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 one hundred three, one hundred three. C one hundred three jobs: scaffolders and labourers. They're wanted for construction sites that's in Cork City and County. While grounds grounds works foreman and an experienced general operative required for work in West Cork. A block layer required. It's a two man gang. Also looking for some labourers and a childminder is required. Three to four days per week. It's in the Bantry or Kilbrin area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
4: Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie
1: Now Safeguarding Ireland a group that promotes the rights of vulnerable adults has said laws on coercive control should be expanded to include wider family members and carers and to explain why Patricia Rickard-Clark who's Chairperson of Safeguarding Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you Patricia. Good morning. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now as it's still such a new crime I suppose can you start by reminding people what is coercive control?
8: Sure Uh, it's a pattern of behaviour which really is designed to exert control over another person. Um. It makes a person dependent and isolates them from others. If I can give you example, examples, it's detaining a person at home, restricting a person's movements, constant monitoring of a person's whereabouts, preventing contact with family or friends, making decisions on behalf of a person, controlling their money, um, keeping their phone. In other words, uh, undermining a person's independence. And in some serious cases, it can amount to assault and violence.
1: Goodness. And is there still, do you believe, a lack of understanding by the wider community as to what it is?
8: Yes. And people think that coercive control or psychological abuse only happens in intimate relationships. And that's one of the issues that we're trying to make people aware of, that the law uh, was changed in 2019. Domestic violence legislation was updated to include an offence of coercive control. But in that legislation, it is limited to people who are or have been in an intimate relationship. And yet, you know, in our survey, over 25% of the people said that had witnessed coercive control occurring out, outside of an intimate relationship. And it does. There are high levels of coercive control, particularly uh, perpetrated on very vulnerable people like older and frail people or people with intellectual or physical disabilities, either at home or in an institution, but really high levels in the community. Um, So it's important, one, that people are aware that it happens, and two, that our laws are updated to deal with it as a crime where it occurs in any close adult relationship or setting.
1: And are you fearful that there is a lot of it going on when it comes to vulnerable adults, Patricia?
8: Yes, unfortunately. Um, And it can be very difficult to detect. It can be very subtle and it arises to in where two people one is trusting another or is dependent on another and the relationship can become abusive and again hard to detect and then people who do uh, suffer coercive control are themselves you know unable to think independently unable to get support or whatever
1: so in in many cases if not the majority of cases they wouldn't even be able to shout stop or wouldn't even be able to Indeed. report it
8: Indeed, and that's one of the issues that we need to be very aware and it can be very difficult because are you interfering, you know, with people's privacy and all of the rest but at the same time, it is happening. We should be aware it's happening and we should, you know, try and communicate with people, try and see that they need support and get support for them.
1: And what would you suggest people do if they witness it?
8: Well... Try and communicate with the person. That's not always possible. But just see wh- who their lines of support might be and talk to, you know, people who can support them or organisations that can support them. Or in situations, contact the Gardaí. We've given a number there, confidential line 1800 666 or the HSE Safeguarding and Protection Teams 061
1: are you hopeful the laws can be changed? Because this obviously would protect our yes. very vulnerable adults.
8: Yes, um, but we did. The in Ireland did make a submission to the Minister for Justice in 2019 and the law hasn't been changed yet. But COVID-19 has highlighted quite a number of issues, including increase, as we all heard um, have heard, about coercive control and undue influence, psychological abuse, people living isolated, very close um, with the person who's maybe the abuser. So it's really important that we address this issue and um, get a change in the law straight away. We also, of course, need adult safeguarding legislation. In this jurisdiction, we've no adult safeguarding legislation and no developed social care legislation, which is legislation that would promote the well-being of people, prevent abuse, identify people at risk, make sure their needs are met, all of that. So we've huge gaps in our legal framework, really, around protecting uh, people in very vulnerable circumstances.
1: And do you believe not just um, coercive control, but other abuse? Do you think it's possibly increased because of the pandemic? Uh,
8: Certainly coercive control has. And in fact, we did a survey and one of the issues that came out as one of the higher levels during the pandemic was scams, you know, IT scams and all of that, or phone scams for against two older people and and other issues like that, um, which hadn't been at the top of the list before. But financial abuse would be way up there as well, and has been for quite a while.
1: Okay, all right. That number again, if if people
8: it's the the Gardaí Confidential Line is yeah. 1800 666 111
1: and HSE 061 OK. All right. Listen, Patricia, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this uh, morning. Sure. Good morning bye to bye you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Patricia Rickard who is chairperson of uh, Safeguarding Ireland, 1850 Tom in Rathgormack has been on to us. I'd be interested in people's thoughts on that. He is not very happy with what has come out from the Dublin senior footballers, and Tom says. I don't think it's very fair that Dublin got off without any fines for breaking COVID rules to train earlier this year. Tom says, truly this sends out the wrong message on the restrictions and also he feels it's unfair on other clubs who have been reprimanded and this is the news that broke broke, did it just break this morning? It's the um, organisers of a training session involving members of the Dublin football team will not face fines, are, will not Face criminal charges. Now you may remember that the players were photographed by now Nar- and by the Irish Independent. It was a training session that was held. Now they were up early in the morning. That's the dubs for you. It was seven a.m. in the morning, and they were in Inish Fales GAA club, which is just off the Malahide Road and they spotted this training session before 7am on the 31st of uh, March it was three weeks before the inter-county GAA training was allowed to take place and the association had warned teams that they weren't to jump the gun, no one was allowed to go training before the date was, in, was introduced but the Dubs decided they'd get in three weeks ahead uh, over the last month this is um, uh, from the Irish Times today over the last month Gardi they say spoke to senior members of the Dublin panel as part of the investigation into the alleged break and following completion of the inquiries, the Gardaí sought the advice of the DPP on whether the players or the organisers of the training session should face penalties. It was decided that the situation should be dealt dealt without recourse to fines or without recourse to further prosecution. They also determined that although the organising of the training session was banned under the COVID regulations at that time, there was not a penal provision, meaning there couldn't be any criminal penalty and Garda corner completed the investigation and the advice of the the, the DPP was sought. Re- Regulation 11 places restriction on organising training events. Regula- Regulation 11 was not declared to be penal therefore no prosecution will be initiated and then following an internal investigation by the GAA of course as we know the Dublin manager uh, Desi Farrad he has been given a three month uh, ban. He by the way wasn't present at the training session and in a previous statement the Dublin team did apologise for the session, and said a serious error judgment had been uh, made, but nobody is going to be fined. Bearing in mind that the they have issued fines, it's not that people are getting away without a fine. The they have issued just under twenty one thousand. Fines, 21,000 fines for COVID breaches to date. And um, by the way, the vast majority of those were for non essential travel. It was people outside of their area, either when we had the 5K rule in um, or when we were only allowed to stay within our county, which was up to yesterday. People who were caught outside the county, uh, people were fined. So 21,000 people were fined for breaches of of COVID regulations but the Dublin GAA boys are getting away with this they're not going to be fined and they're not going to face any criminal uh, charges as I say Tom Inrath Gormick very annoyed by that and interested in other listeners' views. 1850 333 103 We welcome your thoughts uh, on that uh, please. Uh, Hi Patricia I registered on vaccine I registered on the 28th of April and have not been called yet I am 60 since last June I'm just wondering are there more like me in that age group from Anne in Newmarket now I don't have a calendar in front of me the 27th and what you need to do is you need to wait exactly three weeks if you haven't heard and from the 27th of April you're not you're close to three, about two weeks you're not three weeks yet you I imagine someday this week you're going to get a text because anyone that we've heard of that have contacted us certainly yesterday and in the back end of last week when you go over the two been registered for two weeks a day or two over the two weeks you'll start getting text messages we certainly had a slew of people who got text messages at the weekend who had been contacting us on Thursday and Friday saying oh I'm nearly two weeks and I haven't heard anything yet and lo and behold ping on their phone and they got their text message so hang in there but all I was saying as we've been saying to everyone if you are waiting three weeks so look on the calendar mark three weeks on the 27th and if you haven't heard from them then you need to put a call through to them ASAP and they certainly will uh, sort you out that's from what we've been gathering from others that's what has happened Jim says Patricia I tried going online this morning after 8.30 to register for my vaccine because obviously Jim we assume you're 53 but I wouldn't accept my email address it said it was invalid I checked a few times I made sure it was right but it kept coming back invalid email address so I rang them now I expected a long waiting time on the 18.50 24.18.50 but I got through straight away and then I got cut off as he was checking my date of birth so I rang again and I got through faster again and got through to a lovely lady who sounded foreign but she went through all of the details and I had to spell some words for her to make sure everything was correct and she said there you go now Jim you are registered all only took a few minutes and to expect a text message in the next three weeks to give me a date and a time for my vaccine so I'm happy with the service looking forward to being called for the vaccine and trying to get to some kind of normal life in the months ahead that's from Jim well done uh, Jim don't know what happened with your can't understand what happened with your email address and why it wasn't registering but it didn't work for Jim but well done yeah that the phone service seems to be very very efficient indeed Fran is in Ardpatrick and went for his vaccine good morning to you Fran her vaccine yeah. did, did you did you get your vaccine I did. I did. Oh, her vaccine. My side, did I say his? My apologies. I've just, i just it. sorry,
3: it's very difficult. My apologies. Fran is a male abbreviation as well. It as is indeed. One. It is indeed. Yeah. You're welcome. Tell us about <laughs> your vaccine. Well, the vaccine was okay, but I, the, I just thought my complaint is that that they are, were giving us badges, metal badges, blue, round metal badges with white writing on saying I got my COVID COVID-19 vaccine and I just thought what a complete and utter waste of money
1: <laughs> Some people are happy to get those badges even though I have to say I haven't seen one person out wearing the badge
8: wearing I've no, seen people absolutely. on social
1: media say oh look I got a badge but I didn't see and I didn't see the T-shirt with his badge but uh yeah. There's the dog's gone mad, Fran, is it? Dog... Uh, it's the postman oh, arriving. The, the poor postman. Every dog in the country hates the postman.
3: No, no they like him. They like him. What do they? They're, they're just... <laughs> just... Uh, well, they just greeting him. Oh, um, is it? Uh, OK. Wagner, uh, stop it. OK, but um, you think a waste of money? Completely not a waste of money. Particularly for, for my age. Thanks,
1: Jimmy. Because, because you're not going to wear the badge?
3: Like, it, no, if I gave it back, I, I, but I just thought the money could be well, better spent. Well, I have to say that the whole organisation of the, of the um, uh, parking right the way through to the care and, and the way that, this was in the Radisson in Limerick, and the way that um, everybody was treated when, was fantastic. Yeah. But, I just thought, my God, what a waste of money! Like we were children at the dentist,
1: you know. <laughs> I got some. even if it was a sticker, it would be cheaper though. A sticker would be cheaper. Do you do, well, do, do you want us to get onto the HSE and find out how much do they cost? Yeah, what yeah. Good idea? why not? Why not? Let's see because it's a nationwide. Now it's only new. The badges were new. They weren't there at the start because I'll tell you, Fran. We had some people complaining that they went on the week that they didn't have the badges and they were raging. That everyone the following we got them so there there's other people like the badges but we'll find out how much they cost and let's yeah, let's take no, a look I, at that. I
3: mean I'd, I'd rather that they they put the money into looking after someone who is sick and needy than giving us yeah. the badges. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's a good bad point. Enough having an injection. Never mind pricking yourself with a badge. <laughs> <laughs> and come here, How are you feeling today? Um, a bit better today. Yeah. Um, uh, I I was a bit groggy yesterday, all right. Yeah, and, a lot of um, people
1: say that. But you better yeah. today.
3: Look, but better and glad to have it over and done with. And, and like on, on, the, road, on yeah. the
1: road to full vaccination, which is the important yeah. one. OK, listen, you mind yourself. Take care. Thanks. Take million. care. Bye bye, bye bye. Bye bye. And we'll send an email off to the HSC and just ask how much are the badges costing? Now, they'll probably come back and say they're a very small amount of money, but fan objects on a waste of money. But as I say, and I deliberately looked when I was out doing my shopping on Saturday, I was deliberately looking around to see could I see anyone who had this blue badge saying I've been COVID vaccinated or whatever is on the badge. I think the HSC logo is on it as well, because I certainly saw a number of people on social media saying oh look I got a badge when I went to get my vaccine so but I haven't I personally or maybe others have so if you got the badge are you wearing the badge out are you with Fran that for the age group that it is it isn't like a child at the dentist who gets a sticker said, I'd be good at the dentist today is it all a waste of money your thoughts welcome to 1850
4: 333 103. Court Today on C103 with John Cusack Insurances as Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. This week I've got even more of those greatest
6: hits you love. Under Pressure, David Bowie and Queen.
2: Under Pressure, I'm still standing.
7: i still standing. Hungry Eyes, <laughs> Eric Carmen. perfect. Yeah.
4: And listen out for a chance to win your very own pub. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from
0: one. C-103.
1: Now, the biggest development in the modern history of a 220-year-old Mitchestown church will be complete with the installation of a new roof on St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in a few weeks' time. For the very latest on the progress of what is a hugely ambitious project, I'm joined by the Chairman of the Centre, Bill Power. Good morning to you, Bill.
9: Good morning, Patricia.
1: Bill, it is extraordinary what you have achieved in just uh, two years. Talk to me about the work on the roof.
9: Well, the work on the roof began last September. It's costing us two hundred and thirty-five thousand euros. Half of that is coming from the Department of What? No, I get it right. The Department of Housing, Local Government, and Heritage. So that means we've had to raise one hundred and sixteen, hundred and seventeen thousand, plus all the money to do other work there. So half the the roof was was done last year, and uh, we started the second phase of it, which will be completed by the beginning of June, and that's then setting the the if you like the the groundwork for another phase of work within the building, which will continue into the end of the summer so
1: we but, but getting the roof sorted was vital, wasn't it, in order to protect yeah. the church for the future generations. If you didn't get the roof sorted, you could lose the whole building.
9: Well, before we started the roof, we had up to 30 leaks in any heavy rain, um, plus the water coming in on the steeple. Whereas even now, even though the roof isn't finished by any means, um, you know, you look at the rain coming in yesterday when when the showers were coming and you just kind of go, it doesn't matter because we won't be looking at this in another few weeks' time. Whereas 12 months ago, um, we thought we were going to be stuck with it for quite a long time. And as you say, without a proper roof in a building, you can forget about
1: everything that's underneath. Yeah, needs. I, I remember you on social media running around with buckets, trying to. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking, thinking, "What is this man doing?" I just, it, "That's why." And I was, I said it earlier when I teed up with Ken that you were coming on the program. I I remember when you first spoke about this and I was thinking they're never going to get this together. I mean, the roof project alone. And then, I mean, you started this two years ago. You weren't to be able to predict that you were going to go into a global pandemic, which obviously had a massive knock-on effect from the fundraising point of view.
9: Well, we owned the building two years and three weeks at this stage, right? Yeah. And yet there were people thought we were mad. We kind of thought we were ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, but there's a, simple, there's a simple thing about this. If somebody didn't do this, that building was going to become a ruin. And we have enough of those in town in other buildings here. And people in Mitchellstone know what I'm talking about when I refer to the state of the convent and the Christian Brothers Monastery. And if we didn't take this one on, and, and it kind of fell to us very, very well, really, in, the, in how the Church of Ireland dealt with the whole thing, and they were really supportive of us, and, and we felt we could do something with it. And, of course, in our first eight months, which was in 2019, we had uh, 24 events in that centre. About 12 of them were concerts. We've had civil weddings in there in that time. Then we had a whole program of activities planned for last year. All that died for obvious reasons. Um, Everybody was hit. It wasn't just us, but it's hugely impacted on our fundraising plans and uh, We had a couple of major fundraisers planned for last year, which all just simply died. But then when the Roof grant came in June, we simply had to match fund what we were doing, which means that if we get a grant of 116,000, we have to raise a matching Mm -hmm. fund of the same amount. And um, coming into, I think it was the end of July, we started a donate, a slate fundraiser, which basically was that uh, if you donate 25 euros, an inscription on your on your of your choice goes on the back of every slate,
1: which and I think is name. gorgeous because you can yeah. you can do it for yourself or you can do it yeah. to remember somebody,
9: and that's what we found. People are doing it. Uh, the, the first one I think I might have told you this before. The first one that came in and um, when be posted it on uh, social media was a lady from New York looking for three. Uh, or she was originally from Mitchellstown. She wanted one for herself and for her two children. And we've had a huge amount of them travelling to Australia, America, England, people in Mitchellstown and the locality just buying slates to support what we were doing. And people have been incredibly generous. Um, And I should add that we're still open to taking those donations from the slates. We'll take them up to the last slate going on the roof. And we'll ought to take them afterwards, but we won't be able
1: to put your name in the roof through yeah yeah You're too late. I just think in in you know a hundred two hundred years' oh, time, there' will be generations will look back and just say thank you for for what you've done it's because I just think it's such a beautiful building as well, and um, you've never doubted, Bill, you and the rest of the team you ne- no. I, I mean no. there must have been sleepless nights no there no. were um, there were nights where
9: you were going to bed thinking you were talking totally about are more actually more likely that I was getting up in the morning um, thinking we were a bit mad and you were looking at the... Sometimes you really have to look at a project like this not at the problems that you face but at the problems you've solved and how you're going to fix the next one.
1: Yeah,
9: I, I'm a positive person by nature. Yeah, you you
1: you certainly are and heading into something like this, you need yeah, all the positivity so. you can get. And the, the roof, what's lovely, but a lot of the work is hidden, isn't it?
9: Look, we kind of keep saying up there, uh, for example... When the roof, uh, when the old states were coming off uh, in, in the last couple of weeks, you could see through to the heavens through the boards that are on the ceiling. I mean, that was our insulation up to this, whereas now we actually have insulation on the roof. So that's going to make the building much easier to heat and make warm. Then we have people, the, the, the building work on the roof is being done by the Cotland Brothers, Brigham Construction, their local company. But we keep the work locally. James O'Brien is doing the, all the carpentry work for us at the moment, doing a tremendous job on that because we're restoring windows. We have um, uh, Noel Ward, who's metal-based. He's currently making all the cushions for all the, the pews inside the building. He's a ta-
1: and I've seen his work. He's incredible. Yeah, yeah. He's
9: very very good. So he's he's a, he's now working on that. We have Ildonic, which is based in Drumahan Alex and Tamara. They're restoring our stained glass windows at the moment. So wherever we get a grant from, we will do the work on that piece of the building. Mm-hmm. So even though it might be more useful to us if we could um, insulate and plaster all the interior, we don't have the grants to do that, whereas we have the grants to do other things. And we have Coleman Howard then. He's he's from McCormick. He's doing all the plastering in the porch and in the former schoolroom, which is going to be our new reception. So we try to keep the... The, the sort of specialised work that's involved, and it is all specialised. We try to keep that within the area where we can.
1: It's fantastic. That's 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 a com- that's a real bonus uh, to it for sure. And when the pa- this pandemic is well behind us, uh, Bill, describe your vision of the activities that you expect will be held at Saint George's.
9: Well, we would see this as being the civic centre for Mitchell's Town, where people can come for all forms of, of the arts, whether it's um, drama. Music concerts, um, uh, workshops, art classes, art exhibitions. It will be for the region, not just Mitchellstown. We we've, we're designing everything that is that it is focused on the region. So we are going to be part of this uh, Georgian Quarter that's being developed in Mitchellstown by Cork County Council. And as part of that, we are going to be the visitor centre. And there's a whole other set of work going on in that respect um, at the county council level, which. We're not directly involved in it at the moment, but we are going to be the visitor center for that. So we live tourism um, in Mitchellstown. People might not believe that at the moment because they don't see Mitchellstown as a tourism destination, but then people would have said the same about Danrail a few years ago, and you Mm. see how successful that's been. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, It's, it's,
9: it's the vision you have, and people, you know, we've had a pandemic. We've always had the attitude we're going to come out at the end of this, where now looking at the idea of how soon can we have a concert in St George's after the restrictions are lifted that we can do it in such a way that it'll be safe, it'll be enjoyable, it'll be comfortable because we're all about people. From, from day one I've said with this and, and we've all agreed on it, I mean we have great board, we work extremely well, to, well together and there's only five of us doing this by the way, it isn't 50, it's yeah. five.
1: Yeah. you're I, sometimes I, better off with a small crew like that yeah. than a larger crew. They love well. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's news that they a set up pilot schemes to for indoor and outdoor music events that they'll be able to go ahead with live audiences. I mean, I saw the Minister, uh, Catherine Martin, saying yesterday, uh, as early as June, she's hoping to start doing some pilots to see how we can do it and how we can do it uh, safely. So that would give you hope for St George's. Oh, yeah. yeah, it'd yeah. be great. And, and
9: well, look, we all need normality, Patricia. That's all we want. That's it, Shake that's hands, it. give somebody a hug, sit down for a cup of coffee with a friend, you
1: know. OK, how can people donate a slate? Somebody wants to know. where's. So where?
9: OK, they can give me a call. I'll, I'll give you my number. It's 087- Eight double one three six double one. That's O eight seven eight double one three six double one. Or um, the more complicated way of doing it is the, is the email address, which is brigandspire. Which is uh, sorry, I'd actually give you the other one. It's stg slate.
6: So
1: St-G. STG, STG, as in St. George Slate. St. George, yeah, yeah, at gmail.com. Okay. Listen, we will speak again in the meantime. Well done, well done. It's, a, it's an so extraordinary what you've what you what you've achieved each and, each and every one of you. Pleasure as always, Bill. Look after yourself. Bye bye, bye bye. That is so uh, Bill Power, historian from Mitchellstown.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Here's a very distressing call in from Anne, one of our listeners in Mallow, to say, Patricia, headed out for my morning walk this morning in the Karakil area of uh, Mallow. To my dismay, once again, more cruelty to animals with the sight of a dead horse lying on the roadside. This isn't the first time that this has happened in Mallow or indeed in other uh, areas. Uh, Why do we have to have this animal cruelty in our town? It's just so distressing to come across that. Now we're trying to get onto the ISPCA to find out what's going on and I'm assuming has the horse been removed at this stage? It was some stage earlier this morning, a dead horse just left on the side of the road Uh, shocking, shocking and uh, and we've no details as to why the horse died or if there was any level of animal cruelty uh, involved but an awful thing to witness when you're trying to get out for your walk and this morning was a nice, windy but it was a nice bright morning and the sun was shining and we know the forecast isn't great so a lot of people would decide to get out and have their walks early. To witness something like that is very, very distressing. Uh, Thank you Anne for your call. 1850 333 103 I don't know how many others came across if anybody has details as to what happened with that uh, horse. Now a Twitter poll that we ran earlier this was to do with a new report that came out from the OECD calling on Ireland to consider a return to water charges. I couldn't believe when I woke this morning and started hearing the news. Water charges because when i was watching reading in the ears on sunday night it was uh, funny to see um back in 2014 the water charges and the protests and you were suddenly brought back I was thinking my goodness was that seven years ago when people took to the streets and people would say people power definitely won and got the government to change their mind on water charges and it was kind of one of those things you thought was behind you and then this morning I wake up to the news that there's a possibility of water charges rearing its ugly head again it's the OECD have come out with this report and they say that the country is still suffering from a lack of investment in infrastructure which is causing high water loss and low drinking water quality. And we know anybody listening to us is in an area where pipes are constantly breaking and water outages will know that there is a lack of investment in infrastructure when it comes to water. And if the water charges had been allowed to go ahead, would there be a pot of money? Some people would say one wonders where that money would have ended up. Would it have gone into infrastructure? Anyway, so there was talks of could we be back looking at an introduction of water charges again? So we put up a quick Twitter poll this morning just to get it, to try to gauge people's reaction. Surprised with this, 40% of people who, who reacted to our Twitter poll agreed with water charges, 60% uh, disagreed. But then the news has just come out, you possibly heard it there on the news at 12 o'clock. The government has ruled out reintroducing water uh, charges plans to introduce water charges were shelves as we mentioned a number of it was seven years ago now following the major public backlash and it was the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan was speaking on our 12 o'clock news there says it won't be happening again so people can rest easy and I had visions of particularly people in Cork City because it was Cork City that kicked off the protests the protests started in Cork City and then of course we know they went all over the country I had visions this morning of people going into their sheds and dusting out their, their placards that they used but they don't have to they, and bearing in mind that, that Eamon Ryan our Environment Minister is a member of the Green Party but he's ruled out the introduction of uh, water charges. Okay some of your thoughts coming in on vaccines. Morning Patricia. I got my AstraZeneca jab on Sunday I ended up with a high temperature and pains all over my body. I have to say though thankfully I'm feeling a bit better uh, today. So that's the first of two vaccines I'll be due to get my second jab in three months time. I wonder could you put it out there to people. For anyone who has received their second jab of AstraZeneca did you have the same side effects as you had the first time round? I'd be a bit nervous about the second jab because of the way I was feeling on Sunday and uh, Monday. Listen we'll put it out there. As far as I know people who had reactions the first time don't get reaction the second time. The reason being that your body will know when the vaccine goes in. Because remember the second jab is kind of a booster to the first one. The first one really does all of the work that it needs to do and within a month of getting your AstraZeneca you're almost fully vaccinated. It's the second one, that just kind of tops it up and there's great studies coming out that is showing that it is actually more effective than what they initially believed. There was a brilliant study came out from, I think it was was. in Korea they had a huge amount of people have been given both AstraZeneca and Pfizer and after two weeks of the first jab in the case of the Pfizer they were up at 85% effective and for the AstraZeneca after two weeks they were 80% effective. So your second jab is really only a top up and what they say is your body will recognise it so it won't react the way it reacted the first time round and also you'll have a lot of doctors saying that people that do get side effects, some people get no side effects at all and others do feel very unwell for day or two but then it passes and people say it's actually a good sign. It's a sign that the vaccine is working and that you've got a really strong immune system which is kicking in straight away going, what the hell have you just put into my arm? And it's your immune system building up the antibodies that it needs. They're the antibodies that will keep you safe from the COVID-19. But let's let's throw it out there because there are a number, there are a lot of people who have received their second jab. So what we're looking for, uh, what we're looking to hear from people, if you got your first AstraZeneca jab and you had some of the side effects like the high temperature or the aches and pains or some people get a headache I've heard of other people getting an upset stomach or off their food for 24 hours but usually within 24, 48 hours people are fine I know Marcia, my daughter I would say the first 24 hours she, bless her heart she was miserable and, and obviously couldn't communicate to me and I couldn't communicate I couldn't explain to her what was wrong with her it was really heartbreaking to see her so unwell and then the second day so like 48 hours later you could see her starting to get better she was just bit more whacked, a bit tired she's a great patient, she took to the bed and then within forty eight hours, she was absolutely perfect it was it was all behind her uh, but and i'm not expecting her to be as bad on the second jab, but I'll be alert and and ready for it so for people who got who've had both of their astrazenecas if you had some of these side effects on the first one how were you after the second one that's what this call is just a little bit worried about but please don't be worried I'm sure you'll be fine and good to know that uh, 48 hours on you're you're doing okay now a couple of people reacting to Fran who was giving out about these badges and again I don't know if everybody got a a badge when they went to get vaccinated it does seem to be something new that we've seen in the last couple of weeks when people get vaccinated they get this large blue, it's a metal badge, it's not a kind of just, it's not like a sticker that you get you know when you get your (laughs) Yeah. when you put your money into the jar on a flag day this is a proper badge like the badges you used to get which is still children still get on their birthday cards to say you know I am five I'm very proud of it one of those big badges as I say don't know if anybody's wearing them or not and Fran just said she I don't think she took it did she say she didn't take it Uh, she complete waste of money and I know John Paul is going to email the HSC because we're interested to see how much do they spend she says the money surely could be better used somebody said Fran has a lot to be worried about really doesn't she she should be happy and chill out about the badge that's from M and Marie said I'm 64 just got my vaccine this morning in Mallow and I did receive a badge all good there there'll always be somebody who'll complain about something and somebody agreeing with Fran Uh, Patricia totally agree with uh, Fran on the badges I said the very same thing only this morning on my way out what a waste of money Norma the nurse by the way that gave me the vaccine at the GAA complex was brilliant don't have a surname on Norma, but whoever you are, Norma, take a bow. I didn't even feel it. It was running like clockwork. Well done to all involved. And that's from Breda in Mallow. Well done, Breda. Good to know that you're doing OK after your uh, vaccine. Someone says what details are on the vaccine badge. I think it says I've been I've been vaccinated. I don't know if the word COVID is on. It. I've been vaccinated. And I also saw the HSC logo. Saw it up on over the weekend. People put it up on social media. It's a blue badge with white writing saying "I've had my COVID vaccine." I think that's that's what it says. That's as much detail is on it, along as they say the HSC, the HSC logos on it as well and then Nicola great woman for the statistics Nicola she's even sent me on a copy of her notebook she's taken out her notebook and her pencils and she's worked it all out based on close family members to her who have received a vaccine and the year they were born she's trying to guess this is guess when she's going to get a call for her vaccine and it kicks off with her brother-in-law. She said, my brother-in-law was born in 1952. He got vaccinated on Monday the 3rd of May. My husband was born a year later in 1953 he was vaccinated on Thursday the 6th of May. My second brother-in-law was born in 1956. His vaccination date is this Saturday, the 15th of May. Now, I'm born in 1959 and going and trusting by my statistics, my vaccination will be on Monday the 24th of May. Everyone to date has been vaccinated at the Mallow GAA complex. My husband, by the way, loves his badge. He even asked for a lollipop, but times have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you just love statistics, says Nicola. Now, I'm very impressed with your statistics and the way you've laid it all out. Will you promise me faithfully, Nicola, you will let me know when you get your call for your vaccine and the date. I will be interested to see because I'm a great woman for stats as well. I'll be really curious to see, will you get yours on Monday the 24th of May? Because we are being told that people in their 60s should be all done and dusted by the end of this week, which would mean you should be due a call before Saturday or Sunday. But if your brother-in-law got his appointment for Saturday... I wondered when did he get the when did he get the text because we I've heard of some people getting a text three days just giving them three days notice others are getting a one week uh, notice so please let me know i will be really interested in your stats and if your stats have all worked out then somebody thank you very much has just sent me on a picture of the badge it's a blue badge that says I got my COVID-19 vaccine and there's a tick on top and the HSE uh, is underneath and as I say I tried to look out at the weekend to see if I could see anyone who was going around wearing one of the badges, What I failed. Now, that's not to say people are not wearing the badges. Thank you. Somebody else just sent me in their badge as well. Uh, so I suppose people are are keeping their badges at home. Hi, Patricia. This is Mary on the model farm road wearing my badge proudly on my shoulder bag. And she's got, and it matches. were well, not you dead posh? Mary has actually gone to the bother of making sure that her bag has that. It looks like in the picture you've sent me, Mary on the model farm road, it looks like the blue in the badge. Absolutely matches the blue on your bag as well. So, well done you. So, there's somebody wearing it with pride. 1850 103. Our lines are open. Now, on something completely different, a listener says, Hi, I have a lot of vinyl records. Some of them go back as far as the days of the Beatles. Can anybody tell me where I could sell them or where there would be any buyers available? Now, there are record shops and vinyl has become very popular in the last number of years there are some buy and sell the buy and sell websites i don't know if it's a website that you would want any of the Kind of the eBay, would they? They certainly would do uh, records. But I'm assuming you want to go in somewhere. Is it and actually hand them in? I mean, non-essential shops are reopening from next Monday. So does anybody know here in the Cork area, somebody who actually buys secondhand records, which I'm assuming all the vinyl is in good condition, but some of them going back to the days of the Beatles. Where can our listener sell these sell on the records 1850 333 103 John Paul continues to take your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862
3: 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary
4: With Cork County Council's Community Support Program If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice see CorkCoco.ie
1: Duke of Slana-Kilty Heritage are presenting their May lecture on Zoom. It's happening this Thursday at half past eight. Dr. Damien Shields will deliver the lecture on recovering the voices of West Cork in the American Civil War. Registration for the Zoom will be on the Duke of Slana-Kilty Heritage Facebook page. And they also have a website, which is Duke of Heritage. Kildare Drive in Bingo everyone very excited about this in in the Kildare area recommencing next Friday night 8 o'clock and it'll be in the Creamery car park and Martin Milan and friends will climb Caron Tuhel on Saturday the 12th of June. It's to raise funds for the wonderful Mallow Search and Rescue. You can support them by donating to their GoFundMe page. All money raised will go directly to the Mallow Search and Rescue, who are, of course, a volunteer service involved in the search and rescue of missing people. And they do the most incredible work. 1850 333 103. I like them open.
6: Court today on C103
4: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
1: Now a couple of people on the listener who has vinyl records uh, and some of them are go back to the Beatles and is wondering where they can uh, sell them. Somebody says Patricia, there's a website called. Disco G S that's perfect for setting records they're very safe and they're very reliable the website it's D-I-S-C-O G S Disco G S S, if you want to go online to sell them. Listener in Dunmanway says on records, tell that listener buy and sell Facebook pages. We're in Dunmanway so ours is Dunmanway buy and sell. Somebody posted up records recently uh, we have lots of them, all originals as we're in our 50s so they were on trend back in the 70s and 80s. Always a market there for those vinyl records for sure. And Liz says Skibberine Bookshop and Skibberine and Bantry Markets always have some somebody who buys and sells vinyl records. So you could try some of the farmer's markets because I just don't know where the listener is. That's the worst when a text come in, comes in, uh, when they don't put an address on it. I, I don't actually know where they are uh, texting from. And Jim says, Patricia, tell that listener to, um, oh no, sorry, that's not it. That's a different one. Somebody else is saying, um, where has it gone? No, I've lost it now. Somebody else was making the point to hang on to the vinyl records that they could end up being worth uh, some... M- they could be end up working... Oh, sorry, it's Patrick in the City. It says, tell that person, be careful about selling on vinyl records, particularly vinyl records that date back as far as the Beatles because some of those could be worth thousands. There was one sold recently and it went for nearly €8,000. So be careful <laughs> that what you're actually selling on, which is uh, a good point uh, for sure. And um, we did an email in from Joe about that horse that Anne contacted us about a dead horse uh, near the in the Carrakeel area of Mallow Joe says the horse was found this morning near the Aircom building on the Old Head Road in Mallow that's the that, that's the Carrakeel area massive tragedy a massive animal cruelty Oh, it's shocking! It really, really is uh, shocking. It just saddens me. Uh, Great, gratefully, on vaccines, Hi Patricia. Will the gap in between the AstraZeneca be shorter than twelve weeks as supplies increase? Do you think? Says John from Cove. I, I mm, now, I don't think so at the moment because I know a decision will be made by the cabinet today on whether to widen the gap on the first and the second doses of the Pfizer and Moderna. At the moment the gap is currently 28 days but ministers are going to consider expert advice today on whether that should be extended by another six to eight weeks and the, uh, the proposal has been put to NIAC and they're coming back to cabinet today and the aim obviously would be to maximise the delivery of the doses that we get and to get as many people their first jab because remember it is the first jab is the one that is really important. So if they're already looking at Pfizer and Moderna, and, which is at 28 days and they're looking at extending that by an extra six to eight weeks, I can't see them lowering the AstraZeneca by, by 12 weeks. And even for as far as I know on the AstraZeneca, the way they did their trials, that works the best way by, by being a 12-month gap because the bulk of the immunity from AstraZeneca comes in your first dose. It's a top up with the second don't know if that's the same for the Pfizer and the Moderna, but it certainly is with the AstraZeneca. Hi, Patricia Mary from Mamway, My husband's 64, getting his vaccine in Clam next Sunday, the 16th. His work colleagues are 56 and 59, and they're getting their vaccines on the 13th and the 15th. So that's the 13th is Thursday and the 15th is Saturday in Porky Cueve. Why is West Cork getting left behind, our friends in their 60s? No appointments uh, yet. I don't think West Cork is getting left behind behind. It just seems to be all over the shop with the way the appointments As I keep going back to their computer generated. Last week we were getting calls in, West Cork people seem to be getting their appointments and North Cork people weren't getting their appointments. This week it seems to be more North Cork people are getting their appointments so I don't know, it's hit, it's hit and miss as to how they're actually sending them out but hang in there because they are saying that by the end of this week they expect all of the 60 year olds to be done and then by next week they say they'll be well into the 50 year olds even though from that text people are already in their 50s getting appointments. Eileen says Patricia I got my first vaccine last week, had all of the symptoms like you described but you're grand after a couple of uh, days and actually somebody else is saying that what they they what I, when I got my first vaccine on Sunday in City Hall I was told take Panadol every six hours for 24 hours. I was late taking them yesterday, I felt a little bit unwell but once I took them I'm ground. People have nothing, absolutely nothing to uh, worry about and it is Jim says hang on to those badges, the COVID badges. They might be worth money in years to come or at least, the very least, you can show your grandchildren hoping these viruses won't be around in years to come. God, yeah, it'll be something we'll be able to, you'll find it in a drawer in years to come. Kind of a little bit like to remember the tablets, the iodine tablets that were sent out by the government. God, that must be a good 20 years ago uh, now. Would you, I still have my packet of my, my iodine packets. There still, there was three. I don't know. No, I don't think Marcia was living with us. We adopted Marsha at the time. So it would have been only myself, Hobby, and my son would have been in the house because you got one per, Everybody in the house was not it. There's three packs anyway. Now they're well out of date but I remember when they went out of date we were told to hang on to them that even though they're out of date that would still be usable. And I remember thinking oh, why would you put a Best Buy date if they're still going to be usable after the Best Buy date? But I hung on to them. But they're one of those things they're in the back of a cupboard somewhere and you know every now and again you clear out the cupboard and I keep looking at them and I keep I must throw those out and then I don't I'll hang on to them they're just kind of something that reminds me of something that happened many many years ago and I imagine with your badges to say I've been vaccinated it's one of those ones you'll find it in, in a drawer in years to come and we will be saying, God, do you remember that when we all were desperate to get our COVID 19 uh, vaccination? And a listener in Mitchellstown says, Tricia, I got notified on Friday the 7th. That was last Friday to say that my vaccine was due on Sunday the 9th. So I got two days notification. Great setup in Mallow, by the way, says this listener from uh, Mitchellstown. Uh, thank you for uh, that. Hi, Patricia. Can you give me the number, please? that the lady rang when she was having trouble registering. I didn't get a text with a verification. I uh, think you News this past. Well, no, you don't. If you've, read, if you've already registered online, you won't get a text with a verification. You get a text within three weeks of registering with the date of your appointment. Uh, but And if that's what you're querying and you've registered over three weeks ago and you want to contact them, it's 1850 24 1850. It's the number that you use to register If you can't register online it's the same number but people have been calling that if they haven't heard, if they haven't got a date within three weeks of registering 1850, 24, 1850 but when you register you don't get a text back to say you have registered it just pops up on the screen that you are now uh, registered. If you took part in darkness into light on behalf of Pieta House Last weekend or if you donate it, Take A Bow, it is staggering the amount of money. Now, I just did a quick Google search there while the news was on to see if there is an update because I'm, I'm sure it's midweek. So maybe it's tomorrow we're going to get the official total. But it looks like it's close to, if not gone over, 7 million has been raised for suicide uh, prevention following the darkness into light. More than 140,000 people took part in some way in last Saturday's suicide awareness uh, event. It was dawn on Saturday morning and many participants on what was a rotten, dirty morning headed out, setting out as the first light to walk uh, 5k. And of course, before the pandemic, tens of thousands of people gathered every year for that annual morning walk which is now held in cities right across the globe something that started uh, 10 years ago as one small walk in the Phoenix Park just it's captured the imagination of so many people because I suppose it's a little bit like cancer suicide is the same there's nobody whose lives haven't been touched in some way by suicide we all know sadly of somebody some life lost to suicide I think everybody really always wants to get behind uh, darkness uh, into light And of course, for the last two years, this year and last year, they weren't able to organise those big events because we, so they just asked people to go do your own thing and do your own little socially distant uh, walk. So it was incredible to see 140,000 people signed up for this year. And up to yesterday, Pieter House confirmed that they're just gone over the 7 million uh, mark, which was way beyond their expectations. I think they had set a list of 5 million they so said if they raised five minutes, they thought they would be doing well and they'll give, in the middle of the week, they're going to give us a, a proper total, but it's fantastic. So if you in any way took part, or helped out, or donated, and I know there was a big sum of money went in through the late late as well on Friday night, which is terrific. Take a bow. 1850 Lines open.
6: Court today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.io
1: And here's an interesting one just on the vaccines and uh, wearing the badge etc. A listener says a friend of mine had a fall and we all know that people now are slow to go over and help anyone because of social distancing and uh, all of that but when some people did come to her aid she was able to look at them and say I'm fully vaccinated I'm okay but she says, so this listener is saying maybe it's important to wear the badge and maybe it is I hadn't thought about that listener said had my vaccine in uh, Mallow such a brilliant team well done to all uh, was vaccinated on Thursday and on Sunday had a kind of a tender Patch on my collarbone. Decided I'd pop along to see the doctor, uh, who confirmed absolutely nothing to uh, worry about. Uh, so everything was fine. Thank you for that. But it's true when you you're slow now, aren't you, to rush out and help someone, which is which is dreadful, which is just dreadful. I think if somebody fell, I'd be over there like a shot. But it was good that the lady who had the fall was able to say to the people helping her, "I'm okay. I have been fully vaccinated." Joe Heffernan uh, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon Patricia And and actually this uh, kind of ties in with what we're talking about Just adjusting to the new normal And as we exit from lockdown There are people, particularly people fully vaccinated Who now, even Tony Houlihan is coming out saying Get out there, you know, meet people You can meet people, you can be indoors with somebody else who's fully vaccinated You can get out and you hug
2: Selling a little Or a lot
4: And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and
1: 365-day returns. Your grandchildren. But there's an anxiety level there, isn't there, that has to be there recognized. Is.
6: There is, because I mean um, I don't think it would be out of order to call the whole thing a trauma the way it has affected some people, and of course some people more than others. Now, the thing is like that with any trauma a critical incident uh, I I, I do that critical incident stress management it's um, you know, the, uh, the classic results of trauma are avoidance, intrusion and hypervigilance Now, the The avoidance would be we've been trained, as it were, and encouraged to avoid people. And it's going to be very hard, um, or difficult anyway, um, to adjust back. Like, um, you know, if somebody sticks out a hand to shake hands, are we going to recoil a little and think, oh, that's not the right thing to do? Um i I'm talking about now when this is relatively over, this pandemic. Mm. You know, so that I mean avoidance, intrusion. I think we'll all remember the horrible, horrible sights and sounds and pictures, you know, from uh early on from Italy, currently from India. It's very scary. Um and like that's like flashbacks you know vivid memories we can see it in our mind's eye and then um uh, hyper vigilance well there you are Um that kind of ties in that people will be uh hyper vigilant like um is it safe to go and help that person um you know uh uh, I remember during the height of all this, many, many, many months ago, somebody said to me, well, everyone I meet is a walking time bomb. And I yeah. thought, oh, my God, you know, um, uh, but I knew I could understand where the person was coming from. Well, I
1: think if you had people who are were very susceptible to COVID and people who were in the you know, the high-risk group or if they had a family member at home in a high-risk group. I remembered uh, if back, as you say, in the very early days being in a supermarket and a woman nearly falling into the jars of coffee to so that she wouldn't get too close to me as I walked by her. Yeah. And I think, God, that's really strange. But I was talking to a friend of mine who would have a, a very, very unwell little boy. And she said, I'm that person who'd be falling into the coffee jars because she said, when I go out, I can't afford to bring COVID back in with me. This is now back in the early days. So I, so and that put a whole new spin on it for me. And I realised you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. Well,
6: that's so sort of true. I mean, our boys now, our our twin boys, uh, David and Joseph, are here with us for the first time since Christmas.
1: How fantastic! Y-
6: yeah, and when we would start to visit them in Cork, we'd stay in the car, mm. and they'd come out, and um, and we'd have a chat, more or less, uh, you know, at the front of the house, um, and and they're extremely careful, but. That was their that was their fear that um that if they came down to us uh, here at home that they might bring um uh, the virus um with them yeah. w- with them. But now you, yeah. you you
1: you and Mary are both fully vaccinated so they can visit.
6: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And it, it that's was what,
3: such a
6: relief. And mm? that's
1: and that's what we need to get across to people because we've been hearing from some people who are fully vaccinated who are still nervous about going out there, it's almost like they have to relearn again that it is okay to trust and it is okay to go out. I mean, you obviously, you still do everything that we've been told to do, but it is okay to re-emerge.
6: It absolutely is. Like, when the lads came down with me you now yesterday um, uh, from the city, um, uh, you know, when they were here at home, then um, uh, we we all had an old hug um, that it was, um, you know, Great to have you back down here, lads. Um, they'll stay for a couple of days. They they both have stuff to do. So they'll be going back um, uh, very soon. But, um, yeah, um, uh, I think you, you're dead right. We need to adjust. I mean, before I had a hug with the lads now yesterday, I, you know, I kind of had a, a thought like, a, is this okay now?
1: Mm. And, and, and
6: then I just dismiss yeah. that thought. Yeah, but to, the
1: science is there. It is okay. It it, yeah. it is okay uh, yeah. to, uh, to 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 do that, and it's it's to trust as well. And I think people have lacked have have lost confidence. And it's to build back up confidence in yourself. Some people, you know, with shielding, when we don't use cocooning anymore, but some people of all ages, this isn't even older people, got used to their own company and not having to go out and not needing to meet with people. And you can, you can isolate yourself very quickly.
6: Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, college students now. You know, I mean, there are people going to colleges um, and uh, registered students who have never really been in their college. Um, I mean, UCC has been shut down, the campus, and, um, you know, you have first-year students who basically, I think, possibly did an open day um, way back um, and had a look at the place, but that's it. Um, uh, You know, they wouldn't know where to go. When, when it'll all open up again, and that has caused them an awful lot of uh, of stress and worry. You know, I mean, um, college is worrying enough academically without all that, and then you have the extra kind of anxiety now that um, you know you have this big push for the STEM subjects, um, so that funding for the likes of literature and history. And all that. Um, the colleges aren't getting um, big lots of money to do with that. So we could finish up with all STEM and no flower. And, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, college life has become much tougher. I mean, back in my day, you know, if, if, if you had a fair go at things and, um, um, uh, and you know, um, you'd you'd get at least your primary degree. Um, nowadays, it's tough going, um, the, you know. So the young people are under pressure now. For example, our our lads now the, the the lads that are visiting with us, they're in their 30s now. When they graduated, that was into the two thousand and eight financial crash, and just when things looked like maybe they could kind of get going with um, career wise, you know, bang, COVID came. So. That generation, I think, really have got a raw deal in life. Um, it's tough going, and they're, and the, they're huh? the
1: generation as well that there's a lot of talk about not being able to afford yeah. to buy and then houses. We're reading,
6: we're, we're reading every day then about the housing crisis, yeah. and you know there was a time when when you got into your thirties, like you were kind of in the market for for a house and that. Uh, it's all become very tough yeah
1: okay so you talk about needing to look uh, w- with exiting lockdown uh looking after yourself self care yeah. is is important and that's a way of building that confidence
6: yeah yeah um you know we need to 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 to, to be doing the you know, the usual things we all heard about um go for the walk um try and have regular sleep routines um you know make sure that you're having um uh, you know a healthy balanced diet, and the old alcohol and gambling we've been reading about it they've um especially the gambling the online stuff i see you see people are bored um, um, and they want um a bit of uh, a distraction and um apparently the the online gambling has um has uh, exploded, escalated, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: shocking. It, it really is, um, yeah. shocking, okay. Yeah. And you, um, I know we, we want to uh again mention, I know we mentioned it last week, but I want to mention it again because it's happening this Friday, the mm. event that your association is doing. But and you were talking about it on TV yesterday, and a lot yeah. of people spotted you on TV. I just let me give you some of the texts. Joan in Mitchestown says, Tell Joe, I really enjoyed him. On the Today Show yesterday afternoon, it was great to put a face to the voice after all of these years. Trisha says, uh, Sheila says, Trish, great to see Joe yesterday on the TV. And Mary says, saw Joe on the Today Show with, well it wasn't Maura, it was Dahi and who was in for Maura yesterday? Emer. Dahi and yes. uh, Lovely to put a face to, to the voice and lots of people enjoyed you on the programme yesterday. Was that your first sojourn into TV?
6: Sorry, no,
1: say that again. Was that your first sojourn oh, into was. TV? Well, it was, you were, that was my debut. <laughs> well, you were very good and very comfortable, I have to Thank say. You you, you did really you. well. OK, but you were promoting the fact that you've got these... This is a free conference and it's... it's I don't think it's been done before, has it? At, not to the extent of what you're planning for this Friday.
6: No, indeed, and especially not to the extent that we're doing it on Friday free of charge. I mean... Um, normally now, w- with the lineup of very well-known um, presenters, that would be a ver- a, a, quite a costly, um, uh, whatever the right word is, Event. webinar, yeah. conference, yeah, it whatever indeed. the word. Um, yeah, so a person goes into IACP.ie, um, you'll see their 40th anniversary celebrations, and if you hold on a bit there or scroll down, um, you'll see essential conversations. All you got to do is click on that and register. Um, now, the registration is so simple, you're ask for two things your name and your email address. And then Eventbrite uh, will send on uh, your ticket, as it were, which is um, a link.
1: It'll be, the link a, it'll be a link. And,
6: yeah. and then on the 14th, Friday the 14th, 10 a.m., uh, you click on the link, and um, and there you are. And, um,
1: and there's the, a whole the stuff. We w- we went through uh, the guest speakers last week, and we know the yeah. uh, the MC is from yeah. the Rubber Bandits, Blind Boy, yeah. and then things like body positivity, parenting, inclusion, diversity, and sports, and mental well being. Yeah. And, and to me, there'll be something there for everyone. You might not be into all of the talks, but there'll be something there for everyone.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I didn't get a chance to mention there's Ejiro Ogbewoen. No, apologies, Ejiro, if I said it wrong. Um, uh, Black Therapists Ireland. And there's Dil Wickremasinghe uh, and her wife, and Maria O'Toole, um, who uh, are founders of Insight Matters. And um you know, you've Mary Kate Slattery, boxer and had a problem with an eating disorder. Um you have Lindsay Peet, who was a rugby is, was a rugby international. And then you've the Coleman Noctor, Sheila Shiogg, John Sherry Sherry, I beg your pardon, John, um, and Shane Cathy. Um, yeah, so it's a great lineup, and it's free.
1: And it's called Essential Questions, a special conference. No,
6: it's Essential, essential Conversations.
1: Conversations, my apologies, yeah, Essential yeah. Conversations. No, that
6: wasn't your mistake, that uh, was a typo for me.
1: And that's a conference by the IACP, so it's IACP.ie, yeah. okay.
6: IAC, one thing I wanted to mention up there earlier, have two seconds, would be that when you go into iacp.ie, there's a there's a section there. Find a counsellor. Now there's two and a half thousand of us. So no matter what part of the country you're from, if you enter your your own home location, you'll find that probably within ten fifteen minutes, um, there's a fully accredited, um, fully qualified uh, counsellor nearby.
1: Okay, and somebody else says, Joe, you look so well on the telly yesterday afternoon. Here you go. You're getting, Listen, the head's going to be getting too big. I got to leave it there. Listen, oh,
6: thanks. You. The
1: you won't. You won't. Listen. Look after yourself, and we'll chat again next uh, Tuesday. Thanks for that. Okay. That's uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bow If you'd like to contact Joe, you can call 086 8348145. That's 086 8348145. I mentioned darkness into light and the incredible sum of money that has been generated this year for uh, Pieta House, and I, I mentioned 120 thousand. And people signed up and what a miserable day uh, morning it was but how many people did go out there was lots of photographs put up on social media uh, Adrian amid mid says Patricia could you mention all of the Irish people who did the walk in different locations around the world uh, Adrian in particular is thinking of his own brother uh, Niall Kelly from McCroom originally Niall was involved in Darkness into Light in Sydney he said they had a huge response and to rub it in to rub it in. Niles said the weather was beautiful on Sunday Saturday morning over there. Well done to all involved in Ireland and around the world. And that's from Adrian in Midcork. Thanks for that, Adrian. But that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick with you for the afternoon. I'll speak to you tomorrow at ten onto the Patricia Semester. Stay safe. Look after yourself. Work today on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurances Can Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. C M I G dot